So how's it, how's your day been? Oh, just peachy. So fantastic. Couldn't be better. That's great. I detect, I detect no sarcasm. (laughs) Oh no. Why would there be sarcasm? Actually, no, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I had to have my favorite conversations with stupidity, but that seems to follow me anywhere. You could even say it's followed you all the way to this call right here. <laughs> no, oh, there's nothing you. really you could do that would make me to the point where I'd have to absolutely chew you out for anything. I don't think. Well, the nice thing about this uh, podcast is there's no there's no bottom line. There's no paycheck of yours that I could potentially impact. <laughs> Well, don't I feel lucky? Stakes. We keep the stakes nice and low around here. <laughs> Good. Two best of friends. No, wait. Keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous. Who think they know football? The Chiefs. Or the Colt. Or, wow. The Chargers. There we go. Stop thinking. Just read. Bring you unprecedented access the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. I spent $25 to get Jacoby Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance in the force as a clip came very suddenly <laughs> cried out and was silent. The 2M football show starts now. And welcome in to the latest episode of the 2M Football Podcast with you here, as always, Mike and Matt, your hosts. Uh, exciting show today. We've got the latest headlines from around the NFL. We'll talk NFL uh, 2024 draft order of the teams we know so far. Oh, my we, God, uh, the draft already? It's, it's coming. We're only three months out. <laughs> um, we are on the other side of wildcard weekend. So we'll go over the results and uh, potentially more importantly, what the results mean for each team. We'll do a quick update on our, our playoff brackets uh, before we get into the divisional round preview. Uh, spoiler alert, Matt is doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's all I needed to know. I'll give you your credit uh, where it's due. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, before we get into the actual games from this past weekend, see this past weekend, this episode's coming out on Friday. So last weekend, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's talk about uh, some of the latest headlines around the league. We, um, one minute after we hung up the phone on our call last week, we got the news of Mike Vrabel in a pretty surprising move, getting fired as head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, literally got the alert right after we hung up and said it to you, like, of course this happened. <laughs> so we didn't get to discuss it. Um, it's always funny how we're like, like we don't recording doesn't always going to plan, but like, is there ever a time when it'll perfectly line up? No. Except for the time, uh, didn't, weren't we recording when we got the alert of, we're going to be talking Cliff Kingsbury today when he got fired, didn't that alert come through live on the show? That, that was like the one time. <laughs> right like mid-show like stop the presses that's where your epic quote about the disturbance in the force came from which still makes me laugh how do you remember this stuff well because it's in the intro i know you don't listen to the podcast but i put that that line was so funny um that you said i had to put it in the intro (laughs) so i hear it every week still makes me chuckle that that was one of the best uh best moments on the show i think in uh 
Well, I'm happy that I can provide that. (laughs) Anyway, uh, no, but the nice thing, that is the nice thing about recording late at night is no news is going to drop right now. And I just jinxed it, watch, but (laughs) probably nothing will happen between the hour of 9.45 and 10.45 p.m. on Thursday. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, the coaching firings continued into last week after Black Monday. Brable, we just discussed. Pete Carroll, maybe even more of a surprise, relieved of his duties as the Seahawks head coach. Uh, it sounds like he might stick around in some new role with the team, but they'll be they're they're now joined the ranks of teams searching for a new head coach. Uh, and then the biggest one of all that has been rumored all season, or at least since the halfway point when things clearly weren't going well for them. The Patriots and Bill Belichick have parted ways. Yeah, the end of a legitimate era. Like it started with Brady, but now the other half of that is uh, has been now, you know, left. It's the you will. I don't know if you'll ever see an organization with the run that New England had. <laughs> Twenty-four years he spent with the team, six Super Bowl wins in that span. Uh, he's been pretty much. As much as Brady has or was synonymous with the team all these years, just the way his his presence on the sideline, his demeanor and in, in press conferences and everything, it's going to be super weird uh, not seeing him on on the Patriots sideline uh, going forward. Uh, it sounds like this has been brewing for, I mean, probably ever since Brady left. <laughs> you never know how much of the reports coming out are true or what, how accurate they are when stuff like this happens. But uh, it's been reported that Belichick was fine getting rid of Brady. He thought he was past his prime or, or couldn't do it anymore. That's why Kraft agreed to it. The owner, Robert Kraft, obviously he then went and won a Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. <laughs> so that didn't Which look I'm great. I'm sure did not sit really well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Meanwhile, uh, the Patriots brought in Mac Jones, who has been an epic failure and the team has bottomed out since then. Uh, and it seems that maybe started the rift between Belichick and Robert Kraft, but uh, it's only grown in recent years. This is one of the few times I actually believe it when they say a mutual parting of ways. <laughs> I feel like that's usually a, a way to soften the blow of saying like, yeah, we fired this dude. But no, I believe it. Right. <laughs> I believe it in this case. <laughs> and uh, they immediately brought in a successor, not Mike Vrabel, as we and everyone else were kind of speculating, especially when he got let go by Tennessee. Um, it was another former player under Belichick who was elevated to the head coaching role, Gerard Mayo, who was also a linebacker, I believe. Uh, and he's been the linebacking coach for the past four years uh, with the Patriots. And it's funny because I was, was reading reports and I don't know. If... Did you just yawn? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Just go, <laughs> glad you're having <laughs> glad we're keeping you engaged over there. <laughs> I thought it was the perfect timing to like do it out loud. <laughs> that was excellent. That was entirely intentional, and I didn't know if it was going to come across. If you've done it before, I never noticed. <laughs> yes, I heard that one. Perfect. Um, I'll plan talk for a while. <laughs> um, so, I, and again, when you see these reports and so far speculations and rumors, it's hard to believe how much of it is legitimate, even if you're using reliable sources, because the question is, where do they get it from? 
but apparently this has been in writing or in the works for at least maybe even since 2019, but I'd say maybe since 2021 that Mayo was going to be the successor to Bill Belichick. Mm. Um, again, it's to me, it sounds speculation, but how fast that it happened. Yeah. It almost leads credence to how fast like that it could have been legit because it seemed like there was very little time between Belichick at the press conference uh, talking about how they parted ways to all of a sudden Gerard Mayo is being named the, the new head coach. Right. Yeah. So it was a uh, kind of an, it's a new era when Brady left, but a totally new era now that uh, Belichick's gone too. And this is going to be a totally new look Patriots team uh, going forward. So that, that was it for the head coach firings. Um, but, a, for lo- now. a lot of for now. Yeah, there could still be more. We'll see. I mean, um, the offseason has just begun for all these teams and, and it hasn't even begun for the eight that remain in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of us, a lot of fans were looking at the Bears to, who have a very interesting, a lot of hard decisions to make this offseason at what they were going to do. They decided to keep Matt Eberflus on as head coach. They did get rid of the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, the QB coach as well. More like Luke Gonsi. <laughs> Luke gets fired, Z. Just leave the jokes to me. <laughs> so Eberflus is saying uh, the GM Ryan Poles says they're still deciding what to do with Justin Fields. Um, but you know, I saw someone with a joke. Like, it was clearly a joke because the Bears got, what, the first and the fifth overall? Uh, I think it is nine. We'll get to the draft order in just a second. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but they were saying, like, keep Fields take Caleb Williams, and then I think they mentioned another quarterback and just have them all duke it out. <laughs> like, just go quarterback stealing in the draft just and just, like, everybody fights for the starting role. Three-headed quarterback competition over the summer. I like it. Um, so that those are the main firings and then just going off the latest links of who might fill all these open uh, positions. Uh, now it is looking like Antonio Pierce is going to, or it looks like he's the lead candidate at least at this moment to take over full time in Vegas. He was, of course, the interim head coach there the back half of the year after they fired uh, Josh McDaniels, and it it's definitely backed by the players. It sounds like they're ready to mutiny if anyone else is brought in. Um, you even had their one of their few star players, uh, edge rusher Max Crosby threatening to request a trade if Pierce is not surprised this hasn't been solidified sooner because I saw like the Chargers posted on Instagram that they uh they interviewed Antonio Pierce too and I'm like well what happens if another team just makes him an offer he can't refuse right like you can't blame the guy right yeah if the Raiders are dragging their feet I'm surprised this didn't get solidified much quicker than I feel like it should have been by now I mean, the tough thing for all these teams is uh, I can't remember an offseason where there were this many, you know, top tier coaches available with with Belichick, uh, Harbaugh potentially. It's looking like he's reentering the NFL. Um, Possibly. I know that there's talks that he might be working on a new contract with Michigan, but at right. least he's entertaining the idea of coming yeah. back. Yeah, Michigan are trying hard to keep him, it sounds like. Um, but you can't blame them. 
Oh, of course not. Yeah, I mean, they just won the national championship, right? Uh, but anyway, yeah, so in, in terms of Harbaugh, yeah, I think he's already met with the Chargers. I'm not sure who else, but um, safe to say all the teams that have a head coaching vacancy would would love to have him, except maybe the Falcons, who seem like they're the uh, favorites to land Belichick at this moment. They've had multiple in-person interviews uh, between the two sides, and that is looking like it could be a reality. Ooh, it's getting spicy. <laughs> And then, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh my God, this guy's back. He can't. I haven't heard like a that name. Penny just keeps turning up. I haven't heard that name for a while. Um, he's been out of the. I don't even know what he was up to this past year. Out of the league after the Cardinals fired him at the end of last season. Um, but he's apparently back in the fold and uh, taking a uh, coming back in at a lower position as potentially <laughs> the Bears' offensive coordinator, I guess. And the water boy. <laughs> the main reason it's interesting is that he was uh, before he came to the NFL, he was at USC with Caleb Williams. So that would uh, seem to go hand in hand if he were to come in as their OC, use the number one pick on Williams and then um, go from there. That that might fit together really nicely. Have you seen all the posts about the supposedness that Caleb Williams and his team are refusing to like, qualify for the draft unless he knows that the bears are not going to take him have you seen any of that speculation i mean i, I early in the season i did that he didn't want to be taken by he didn't you know he was going to base his decision to declare for the draft or go back to college for another year on who it seemed most likely he would go to last i saw he did i thought i saw he did declare for the draft but i might have missed misspoke on that so uh what did you hear about that just heard that it's the same thing that you just mentioned that I know it was earlier, but I thought this was more recent that he's basically making a stand that whoever, if the bears are intending on taking him the first overall pick, he's not going to declare for the draft. Mm. But now the question being with the, with the possibility of maintaining fields, what really is going to be the next step? Because if the bears keep fields, do they take Williams or do they draft a wide receiver overall to help fields? That's really where they're at with that. It seems like they solved the head coach question. Now it's just a matter of what are they going to do with the quarterback position? Besides probably botch it again. <laughs> I mean, it's a Chicago tradition, but uh, I mean, I'd be more okay with them keeping Eberflus if they, if they, were to get Kingsbury and, uh, you know, give him the QB of his choice, uh, that would be, that'd be one way to, they didn't do it with the head coach, but at least they're breaking the cycle of, of guys getting thrown in with the old regime that didn't choose them. And, um, yeah. So could be interesting. All right. That is all the news items I had. Let's uh, take a minute and look at what we know about the draft order so far. You just teed it up a minute ago with, the Bears having two top 10 picks. Uh, so let's run through it really quick. We know the first 24 <laughs> with uh, six more teams getting eliminated from the playoffs on wildcard weekend. So here you go. Top 10 first. All right. Top 10. Bears, obviously, one overall in the pick they got from Carolina last year. Uh, Commanders at number two. Patriots picking third. Cardinals at four. Chargers at five, 
Giants, Titans, Falcons, Bears again with their own pick this time. And then the Jets at 10. So, yeah, Bears have the number one overall and the number nine overall. Which gives them a lot of options. And it's so fascinating because Bears, Commanders, Patriots at one, two, and three, all those teams need quarterbacks. Right. Well, I actually, I don't know. Maybe that's not set in stone. Depends what the commanders think about what they saw from Sam Howell this year. I mean, he wasn't bad in my opinion. It's just that that team never got a rhythm going. He kept throwing for a ton of yardage. He was relatively clean as a thrower, but I don't know. The team just never jived. Yeah. And then I was surprised when they traded away all their defensive weapons, like, and then you fire the head coach. Like, I kind of was like, well, that seems like you're set up for a kind of like what the Vikings or not the Vikings, the uh, Titans did to Mike Brable. Like they gave him away all his position players, essentially, besides like Derrick Henry. Right. What do you mean you failed? (laughs) Right. Getting rid of AJ Brown. They traded away. That was a couple years ago. And then they, got rid of their uh, stud safety this year, I think, at the deadline. So <laughs> that's that's funny. It's a good, good comparison. Uh, all right, so that's one through 10. Uh, let's run through the rest of them here. Then we got Vikings at 11, Broncos, Raiders, Saints, Colts, Seahawks at 16, uh, Jags at 17, Bengals. Uh, those were all the non-playoff teams. Then you've got the teams that were eliminated uh, this past weekend. The Rams are picking 19th. Steelers, Dolphins, Eagles, uh, Texans, who have the pick from uh, the Browns, and then the Cowboys at 24. So those are the picks we know so far. Um, With that, let's take a quick break and uh, get into the games from last weekend. Here we go. And we're back. Mike and Matt to on football. We're going to uh, now discuss the games from last weekend, the wild card round of the playoffs. Uh, one theme among these games, or at least a few of these games that was relevant was weather. There was a lot of severe snow in different parts of the country. We got hit here in Chicago pretty hard. Not that, not that we had to worry about the Bears hosting a playoff game or anything, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, it was a factor in um, the Bills game where they actually moved it. I think it was supposed to be Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, they moved it to Monday. Yeah, to Monday. The dangerous conditions, not even so much for the players, but for the fans and people, you know, 70,000 people trying to get there in a blizzard. Uh, but it just made me think, uh, what's your opinion, Matt? Because I don't actually oh. know. Where do you stand on domed stadiums? Oh, boy. (laughs) So, I see, personally, I think that um, I'm a fan of doming stadiums only because, like, you look at home field advantage, which has been a thing for years. Take, for instance, Miami, where the opposing team's sideline is in the sun, where it can be, like, 20 degrees hotter. Right? Like, there's there's little advantage things that these stadiums have to give the team advantage which i get that's the whole point of fighting so hard for you know home field advantage in the postseason however if you take away everything out of it you're literally putting your person against my person on a field and it's going to be the best man win 
versus, you know, my defense is getting tired because they're in the sun more than my guys. So my guys get to rest. So personally, if if we really want to see the best of the best, you take it out because then you have teams mm-hmm. like the Dolphins who've never won a game and, you know, in weather that was less than, I think, 40 degrees. Right. So it's like, yeah, the team does all this work and then they go play in Kansas City in the snow and get blown out. Now, is that from a lack of position? Is that from the way the players played or is it just the circumstances that happened? You know, a lot of players were making comments of how do you prepare for that? Right. Yeah. If you're in Arizona, how do you prepare for a game in Green Bay in the middle of January? <laughs> you can heat a stadium up, but you can't you know, cool it off to the point where it's, you know, 10 degrees in there. So right. I feel like if you're going to play a team, like it's hard to prepare from just the love of football. Man, nothing's better than watching a game in the snow. <laughs> yeah, that's but more right. importantly. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Finish, finish up. But more importantly, I think if you're going to dome them, you have to get this whole turf grass thing figured out. Um, because I know there's been a big issue with the types of turf in some of these stadiums that are just absolutely wrecking ankles and ACLs and, and ligaments and stuff. And so I feel like if you're going to dome, it's got to be real grass. It's going to be the easiest to maintain that at that point. Well, how does that work if it's a, a dome stadium and you don't have the uh, natural light coming in? You, know you can I mean? lay sod. Okay. All right. And I was going to say, like, the Vikings have like, a giant window, basically, on half of their stadium. So they, they, they get plenty of sun. <laughs> All right. Well, interesting. Yeah. I, I've ended up landing on the same spot as, as as a fan when I'm watching. I want to see them playing in the elements. Um. But I understand the practicality of uh, of dome stadiums, and and not only just for football season, but that allows them to make money with you know concerts and stuff all year long, um, no matter the weather or the season and stuff. So I understand the practicality, and you're 100 percent right that um, if you want like a literally an even playing field, right? Or it almost it takes out, I guess, some of the home field advantage besides having like the home crowd behind you. Um, because I think we did see it play the weather play a big factor in some of these games. Uh, so let's let's talk about the games now. Um, starting in the NFC, no particular order. Um, the Eagles just got completely blown out by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they were without AJ Brown, their top receiver, with the knee injury. Jalen Hurts played, but uh, like we talked about, his finger got all you know, dislocated in his, in the week 18 game mangled. Yeah. And he, he played, but I don't think he practiced at all during the week. Didn't even throw a football <laughs> during the week while he rested that finger, I guess. Um, but man, I think the biggest, the story here is Baker Mayfield just slicing and dicing this Eagles secondary to pieces. I mean, he he was fantastic. Like everybody's made fun of him. And I think he's, he got a bad rap in his time in Cleveland, but I feel like he's made up for it um, with his time in Tampa. And I would argue that his weaponry around him, absolutely like much better than what he had in. Uh, oh, Carolina or uh, yeah. Both. 
Mm-hmm. Or Cleveland, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's good to see him having the success, and I think it puts the Bucks in a unique position when it comes to the draft, um, especially in the next couple of years if, if Baker gets a longer-term deal or what they're what they're planning on doing there. Right. Yeah, it is nice to see because uh, he was – pretty much auditioning himself this year to continue being a starter in the NFL. And um, I think he's certainly proved that he, he can be and should be. Uh, and, and yeah, it helps having guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to throw to and the tight end, uh, Kate Otten having a big game here too. And, and this was even with Evans dropping a couple passes, one of which has been a kind of a theme among in his career, but uh, he, big game otherwise he still made up for it but he could have had he dropped like what could have been a long touchdown early in the game uh, but there was no point at which this result seemed in doubt and I think the Eagles have a lot of questions now to answer did you realize I'm embarrassed I didn't know this did you know that um, Matt Patricia has been calling the Eagles defense for the past like month and a half they fired their DC, or not fired, they demoted. Um, Sirianni demoted the DC and brought in Matt Patricia to run things. How did I not ever see this? I didn't catch I didn't this. get that. Could you try again? Oh my gosh. No. No, Siri. Uh, Bad Siri. Why are you listening? <laughs> I feel like I just got yelled at and I'm not 100% sure about what. No, I. I don't even know how I even missed the news that he was I missed the it DC. too. <laughs> now I feel stupid. Well, God, you know who should... we don't do a show about this. <laughs> well, you know who should feel really stupid is is Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni and anyone else who thought that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, they've got uh Eagles have a lot of issues. It, remember they were ten and one at one point? Finished the season one and on a one and five run and get blown out in the wild card. And I feel like the defense really wasn't a concern. I feel like the offense was was struggling there. So um, <laughs> I mean, there's questions for them to answer on both sides of the ball. And and I think it puts uh, Sirianni in a bit of a hot seat going into next season. I mean, the seat's got to already be getting warm. Because the Eagles were riding high so long just to have it absolutely the rug yanked out from under them the way it has been to end the season. The potential of Jason Kelsey retiring. Yeah. But <laughs> it's the Eagles have a lot of questions going into this postseason. And there it all kind of started, if you want to pick a turning point, that game they got blown out by the 49ers, that rematch of last year's playoff game where I think it was Nick Bosa had the quote coming out of it that they had exposed the Eagles offense and figured them out. And I don't know. It it seemed like hyperbole at the time, but it sure seems like teams knew they they had laid out a blueprint to stop this Eagles offense and they couldn't really adjust the rest of the season. Yeah, Uh, it's I almost feel like it was like the same thing that the Chiefs struggled with. Have people started to kind of figure out how to counter some of their bigger plays and playmakers. And once you start to dissect that apart, unless you have an an OC or a head coach, that's really good at designing new plays that aren't like reused and recycled, like your offense is going to struggle massively. 
So a lot to think about um, for the Eagles going into this offseason now. Uh, next game was the Rams at Lions. Potentially the best game of the weekend. Uh, certainly the most competitive. A lot of these ended up being blowouts. Um, but Rams-Lions was close all the way. So many storylines going into this one with Stafford coming back to play against his old team. Of course, against the guy that they traded him away for in Jared Goff. And uh, the game didn't disappoint. Lions lighting up the scoreboard early. They looked unstoppable in the first half. Uh, but then the, the Rams made it a bit of a comeback. Uh, couldn't quite get it over the line at the end, though, needing points. Uh, they were down by one and had to punt and then just couldn't get the ball back. David Montgomery went beast mode. Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown connection. Uh, as it has a lot of the year, just looked unstoppable. They were able to grind out the win and get enough first downs to run out the clock. And so, I know they've been dominant in phases of the game throughout the year, but they just look scary this time. Like, yeah, you you felt like nothing you did could slow them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did feel that way. And it's like, man, where has this? Where did this Lions team come from? Like, we knew they were good, but man, I just, I was just watching an awesome times of just how easy they made it look like, oh, we've been here before. This is a yearly thing for us. We're just going to drop the football there and boop, up, there he goes. <laughs> right, yeah, that's that's a good point to bring up is they, they were not, uh, they, they lived up to the the moment, you know, the, the spectacle of it. They, it didn't, it wasn't too big for them, the spotlight of it all. And uh, all their former, you know, star players that didn't get to even play in the playoffs much, if at all, were there. Like, um, I think I saw that Barry Sanders and and Calvin Johnson, Megatron himself, were there. Eminem was there. Uh, It was just a huge night for Detroit uh, sports in general. And they get their first, the Lions get their first playoff win in 32 years. That's longer than either of us has been alive. (laughs) That's as long as I have been alive. Oh, that's right. You are. Yeah, you're older than. Yes, right. Thanks for reminding me. The point is, it's been a very, very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Nice recovery. So good for Detroit. They move on to the divisional round. And you know what? I know I've said I'm annoyed by them at points during the year. I'm back in. I'm back in on the Lions. (laughs) I like Dan Campbell. All right. Let's talk about the main event. <laughs> Packers at yes. Cowboys. Oh, this game would like I don't know. I I expected it to be like good. I expected it to be close. I expected a pretty decent battle. I did not expect what ended up folding <laughs> like happening happened because I'm like, yeah. my God, where's this Green Bay offense been all year? Well, I mean, I thought we thought it would be high scoring because the Cowboys have had their defensive issues at times. Um, but still they were Cowboys were at home eight and O in their home stadium this season. Um, they were seven and a half point favorites, I think coming into this one for the, per the Vegas odds, uh, Mike McCarthy revenge game in theory against the, the Packers team that, that fired him all those years ago. But, uh, I mean, yeah, Packers got off to, uh, you know, an incredible start as as well as you could have ever possibly hoped it would go. They changed it up a little bit because they won the toss and chose to receive right away. And I and I liked the 
statement that kind of made, and they backed it up with a long touchdown drive to open the game. Um, and uh, Jair Alexander made a diving interception to Dak Prescott to set up a, a short drive. Another Aaron Jones touchdown run. It's fourteen to nothing in the second quarter, and I'm like, are we? Is this real? Are we? Are we dreaming? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, hold on. I know I'm gonna wake up, and this is gonna be reverse. It's gonna be Dallas that's lighting everything up, but no. <laughs> They just kept piling on. Jordan Love touchdown to Dontavian Wicks. And then uh, Darnell Savage stepped in front of CeeDee Lamb to uh, pick off Prescott again. And he returned it all the way for a touchdown. And at this point, it was 27 to 0. <laughs> and, I mean, you just felt like the other shoe was going to drop at some point. And um, I mean, that never really happened. Cowboys did score before the half. 27 to seven and and Dallas had the ball first after the break scored a field goal on that opening drive. And you're like, okay, here we go. Here comes the Joe Barry prevent defense and a conservative offensive plan to just try to preserve the lead. Uh, but they didn't do that. They, the offense kept running on schedule, just like they did in the first half. And Jordan love finding his receivers running wide open in the, just finding holes in the zone all over the Dallas secondary I mean, and, you talk about yeah. the poise that you saw when you're talking like that we're dicing up the secondary like you did. This has been such a good defense all year long. And it's like just watching Love just sit in the sit back there. And even when he had to move, he looked so fluid, so calm and just dropped yeah. the ball in every single time. And the one thing I will say, and this is a little bit of a preview into the, the next matchup, is... I'm almost thankful we don't actually have a true number one receiver because we spread the ball around so much. Yeah. This defense, who do you go after? It's not like you have one or two playmakers. Anybody at any time can go off. Jaden Reed, who has been the most uh, productive member, I think, of this receiving core, he did not have a catch in this game. <laughs> he was just out there running, just doing getting his cardio in. And that just illustrates your point. I think Dobbs was back with a huge game. Um, Christian Watson was out there. didn't do much, but it's in theory, he would on paper, you would expect Watson to be the, the number one receiver when healthy, but, but I think the, 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 what, what Jordan love showed in this game is there isn't a one guy he's going to throw yeah. to the open man. And whether it's Tyler Kraft, whether it's Christian Watson, Dontavian Wicks, it doesn't matter. If you're open, you're going to get the ball. Yeah. I mean, it was just incredible. He uh, he had a perfect passer rating at one point. Uh, it was, I don't know what the score was at that time, uh, but LaFleur actually pulled out all the starters and had to put them back in because <laughs> the Cowboys were making it a little bit uncomfortable uh, towards the end. But, right, because why would we play a shell defense? That's a very brilliant idea there, Joe Barry. It was 48-16 to 16 at one point uh, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's how much the, the final scoreline of 48-32 makes it sound like it was kind of close. The, the Packers destroyed the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. And Love was as close to perfect as you can get. Three touchdowns, 272 yards, just five incomplete passes. And Aaron Jones had another big game on the ground, as he always seems to, in the Cowboys stadium. Um, 
man, this was so kind of, un- it was unexpected and so fun to watch. And I think it's safe to say that Love and this whole Packers team has surpassed all expectations this year already. And they've, it's not over yet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> all right, let's go through the these AFC games um, a little quicker. Real quick because they're dumb. Yeah. Oh, I guess one more thing on the Cowboys. Uh, they're, they already announced they're keeping McCarthy on uh, for this coming season. There's a lot of a lot of anger in the Cowboys world, nation, as you can imagine. Yeah, uh, it people sucks when you're for... not America's team anymore. <laughs> but you just keep calling yourself that for some reason. Uh, but yeah, AFC, the Dolphins, we, you've already kind of hinted at this in your uh Discussion of home field advantage. The Dolphins had to travel to negative 30 degree Kansas City. <laughs> Could not do anything at all, especially on all. Actually, I would say the defense uh, gave a valiant effort holding the Chiefs to 26 while their offense did nothing outside of one broken play to Tyreek Hill. Uh, so he could get some some small amount of revenge on his former team. His touchdown was the, the only points Miami managed all night as they lost 7 to 26. Um, a crazy high amount of Tua Tungavailoa's pass attempts were at or behind the line of scrimmage. It seemed like they were either afraid to throw downfield or he just didn't want to. Yeah, it was checkdowns all day. Yeah. And even when they were in comeback mode, you know, they were, they still weren't really pushing it downfield. And I don't know if that's game plan specific. I don't know if that's weather specific. I mean, Mahomes was, you know, slinging it like usual. But this is where it comes into play, uh, like you mentioned, where Tua is used to 70, 80 degrees. Um, a little bit different conditions to throw the football in. Maybe he just wasn't comfortable. I don't know. But the Dolphins offense, which has been so creative and so dominated this this is the team that put up 70 points in a game earlier in the season uh could do absolutely nothing in this game and they're another team now that's surrounded with uh questions about their quarterback is is two of the guy or or should they be trying to upgrade at the position especially with the weapons they have we know that the receivers and the run game are there but what what's going on? Yeah, I agree that the the question remains at quarterback and defense. Right, the the defense did not look good here either. Um, just to, I mean, and and it wasn't just this game. The Dolphins really faded down the stretch. They could have won the division, but had it snatched from them by the Bills at the last second. It lost to them twice in the regular season. Obviously, once at home in there where they would have the advantage in theory. So, um, yeah, Chiefs move on. Disappointing end for Miami. Uh, the Bills beat the Steelers in that game that moved to Monday. Um, so mad. It was, it was, uh, they kept it close at time. I mean, they had no TJ Watt for this game, which was a huge problem, especially against a quarterback who can move like Josh Allen. And uh, the Bills offense ran uh rampant over them they they kept it a game it was uh, it was competitive largely thanks to uh, the efforts of mason rudolph and it's uh 
it's interesting. The Steelers have, I think they've said Mike Tomlin is coming back, which shouldn't be much of a surprise there. And the, no, the it was funny because there was a clip that played. I, I watched earlier of like, cause I guess he walked out of the middle of a press conference when asking about his contract. And then yeah. he started his one today, I guess saying, Hey everybody. Uh, good day. Good day. Uh, Anybody got questions about the contract? I'm in a better spot today or something along those lines with a big smile. And the most like comment on the video <laughs> was somebody got an extension. <laughs> yeah. Also, I could see him uh, just being too angry to answer something like that after <laughs> loss and getting knocked out of the playoffs. But um, yeah, Steelers. Maybe you could say overperformed. I don't know. Mason Rudolph made this offense tick a lot more than Kenny Pickett did. And now I have I saw a report that they're planning to at least bring in some kind of competition um, into their quarterback room for next year. They're not just handing the job back to Kenny Pickett, which I think is a good call based on what we saw. Yeah, I mean, this is where I would say I would always battle with the front office, right? You can pay a guy X amount of money, but if he's not going to perform, I'm not playing him. Like, I'm right. going to play whoever you don't get graded on our wins and losses. I do. So guess what? I'm going to go with who makes the most sense. Yep. And then I would be asked to leave and not come back. <laughs> Let's move on to the final, our final game here, which was actually the first game played on the weekend. Browns at Texans. Uh, this game started out really fun. Uh, neither defense was doing much as uh, Flacco and Stroud were kind of trading blows with big touchdowns, uh, long touchdown passes. But uh, the Browns in particular, especially after halftime, they just collapsed, it seemed like. Um, well, actually, non-existent. This came in the first half. Stroud threw three touchdown passes in the first half, uh, tying a rookie record in the playoffs. And... Uh, Oh, there it is. Sorry, I wrote these notes a long time ago. Uh, it was 24 to 14 Texans uh, in the lead going into halftime. So, uh, yes, yeah, Stroud already with the three touchdown passes. Flacco with a lot of big plays as well. Um, however, it Flacco was the made defense four. that stepped up then. Yeah, the Texans defense with pick sixes off of Joe Flacco on consecutive plays in the third quarter, which, uh, which, greatly extended their lead all the way up to 38-14, and the game was pretty much out of reach at that point. Uh, final was 45-14. to The Texans uh, knocked out the Cleveland Browns. A huge game for uh, D'Amico Ryans and his team. Uh, they move on to the divisional round and uh, keep the good times rolling. Uh, Matt, do you think this is the end for Joe Flacco? <laughs> I mean... Oh, that guy's been around forever. And, like, he came back and he... Right, he started the year unemployed. <laughs> it was Well, it is, it's always nice because he is now probably the last of the true gunslinging quarterbacks of that era. Right, Like, yeah. just letting it rip. And, and it's always so fun to see that because now I feel like so many teams are transitioning to the old school run game to kind of lead everything. But Flacco just harkens back to the Manning and the and the Favre, you know, that whole right. era of Roethlisberger of just like, like good idea or no, he's like 
I'm going to try to make this throw, whether it's a good idea or not. And it's either going to be amazing or go terribly. Um, But I think it puts the Browns in a unique position for what to do next year. I mean, Flacco, yeah, is he the solution? No, but he gave him the best chance to win. Would Deshaun Watson have put him in the same position? I personally don't think so. I think, again, the organization makes terrible financial decisions. Um. But I think they have they have to sit back and evaluate a lot of things right now. Um, hats off to Kevin Stefanski though for making this change and like running with it, right? Like everyone mocked yeah. that Flacco like coming off the couch and they're just gonna hand the ball off and Flacco's like, watch what I can do. Right, because the Browns are one of those teams that had four different starting quarterbacks this year, and it's pretty amazing that they went on the the run that they did to even make the playoffs. So, I mean, I think there's a high probability we don't see them next year, but I think it gives pause for the Browns to, if they can get their act together, to figure out how to approach next season. Cool. And uh, so with all those games finished, um, I think your bracket is looking slightly healthier than mine. (laughs) Except now I'm, because of the Dolphin loss, I'm done. Oh, you're good. It's going all the way to right. Yeah, which shocking. That's not a thing anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I picked a I picked a few uh, long shots there, like the like the Steelers and stuff. But I mean, well, you also picked Houston, uh, with correctly, and well, we both got Tampa Bay, but you got the Lions, right? Yes. And the Packers, right? You picked the Packers. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did much better with my NFC bracket than I did the AFC. Uh, but now is where everything, I think, comes to an end. <laughs> well, let's, <sighs> let's get into the divisional preview then. Um, and let's just start right off the bat with the, our, the game we'll be most closely watching. <laughs> Packers at 49ers. Once again, our, the Packers reward for getting that surprising win in the wild card round. They get to go play their their old uh, their playoff nemesis of the San Francisco 49ers. I don't really want to talk about this anymore, Dad. <laughs> the most recent time, I believe, was um, two years ago, right? That. 10 to 7 loss or something where the offense did nothing. They had a. Yeah, the offense showed up to the field, and that's about as far as they went. And they had a bunch of special teams issues to that game, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I probably don't remember correctly because I've tried to black out, <laughs> block out all of these games. Now, blackout's correct. <laughs> the time before that, I, I do remember, was 2020 because that was. We watched that game from the delivery room at the hospital. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See, look something. at that. Priorities. <laughs> and that was a game where I think it was Raheem Mostert at the time uh, with San Francisco had like 250 rushing yards. And the Packers got completely dominated. Then you have, uh, you know, going all the way back to the Colin Kaepernick days, like rushing for a buck 50, throwing for 350 yards too, and just. I just, it's just funny how I, this was the way my bracket went. I'm like, yeah, we're going to beat the Cowboys. And then when I realized when it auto-filled in what that meant, I was like, oh, well, wait, please no. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
this is this is a familiar territory that I don't want to admit. <laughs> However, I feel confident that it's going to be a hell of a game. I, I mean, yeah, a lot a lot of the pieces are different this time around. Uh, it was Garoppolo two years ago in that defensive-oriented slugfest. Obviously, Garoppolo versus Rodgers. <laughs> the epic are, clash of the ages. Yeah. <laughs> They're all gone. The Packers, uh, I think they had Devontae Adams last time, too. So it's a completely, almost top to bottom, a new-look Packers team. And uh, 49ers have a lot of new faces, too, since then. Most notably, probably Christian McCaffrey. Um, but then, of course, Brock Purdy, who has played lights out for 17 out of 18 games this year. We don't have to talk about the Ravens right now. Uh, or maybe we should. Maybe we should. We should, be, As Packer fans, we should be hoping for a repeat of that game where he threw four picks. But, um, yeah, let's just say I'm concerned about McCaffrey. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's funny because as fans, we've endured for the past week now. Like, we want to lose just so we can finally watch the message come across that Joe Barry's gone. But it's so <laughs> exciting to see, like, we, we, we're, we made it to the postseason. Okay, we're going to make it to the wild card. All right, you know what? Kudos. We made it farther than we gave ourselves credit for. Oh, wait, we beat them? We're going to go to the divisional round? Okay, well, we're going to have to lose now because we want to get rid of Barry. But what if we win? Like, that's the risk. You gotta, yeah, we gotta weigh it. The pros and cons. <laughs> but uh, but it's tough, tough of a matchup as it is for the the uh, Packers defense going up against all those studs like Debo Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey. Uh, the offense faces a tough test too, and in, in what's been the league's best defense most of the year. Led by Bosa on the edge, but they've got great linebackers and safeties too. Uh, it's going to be a, a much stiffer challenge for them uh, than than Dallas was. I mean, I I have the 49ers going to the Super Bowl, so I kind of have to stick with it. But simply, like my heart's in like, come on, Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. They've Jordan Love's got me believing. But, um, yeah, my, my original bracket had the Niners beating the Rams, who I had getting through the wildcard round. So I've got them advancing um, all the way to the Super Bowl, too. So I got to I, I gotta stick with my bracket, I guess, and, and take San Francisco. But I'm way more uh, optimistic for at least a competitive game than, than I might have expected. Because they, yeah. the, what the Packers defense did uh, most of the game against Dallas is they they played aggressive and and I think they did they rattled uh, Dak. And if they can, and Purdy, uh, all he's for all he's done well, he's still a young quarterback. If they can get in his head a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, all it takes is one or two big plays to change the game. Like the the pick six against Dak that put him up twenty seven to I think twenty seven to nothing. Yeah, that was. I mean, you could argue that was it. Like that was game over at that point. Yeah, I agree. If if they can if they can sort of put the same pressure on Purdy that they were getting on Dak, it might be just enough to throw the timing off, which would be like perfect. Um, and it's not so much of like 
turning them over into, you know, interceptions and fumbles. It's just if you can throw the timing off to force three and outs, that's all you need. Right. Yeah. Just limit their possessions, make the most of ours like they did against the Cowboys. I don't know if they had a single punt in that game, but it didn't feel like it. <laughs> the, the Packers, that is. Uh, they just had a, a perfect offensive game plan by LaFleur. So we can dial up that same magic and they just, yeah, like you, like you said, doesn't even have to be, um, you know, turnovers, but just forcing punts, forcing three and outs, forcing possessions that don't end in points. Uh, that's, that's what you got to do. So I'm like oddly optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I, I, I always, I've adopted the term cautiously optimistic. Cautious. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm also ready for what may inevitably happen. Right. McCaffrey, 350 all-purpose yards, and they lose like 35 to 10. <laughs> yep. I will, I will not be mad. I will be like, nope, this no, is exactly playing this with house according money. to the script. Play, <laughs> they're playing with house money at this point. No one thought they'd make it even as far as they were last week. So it's it's all just bonuses now. All right, the other game in the NFC, Buccaneers at Lions. Um, I don't know. Less analysis here. I'm going with Detroit to win this one and make it to the championship game. Is that who I picked? I think I got a, I got a look. I don't remember. We did this like so this is where ago. This is where my bracket is screwed because I had Dallas going through, and I had them winning against Tampa Bay in this matchup. Uh, obviously, it's the Lions That's who are here. That's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so now I will uh, pivot. Oh, yeah, I have the Lions going on. Any any jitters that they might have had in their first playoff game are, are out now, and they remain at home. Uh, Bucks have to travel. And and I think um, the Lions are ready for the – as the stage gets bigger and bigger, I think they prove they're, they can handle it, and Campbell will keep everybody's feet on the ground and uh, just go out there, play a good game, and I think they'll get a win. All right, quickly, the AFC side. Yeah, this is this might be the most intriguing game here. I've got Texans at Ravens. I picked Baltimore, but I feel like the Texans are feisty after what they just did. <laughs> yeah, that defense are. plays the way it did, and they can contain Lamar. This offense is going to shut down. But all CJ really has to do is just take care of the football. Yeah, and, and somehow he's been making the big plays without the turnovers. It's amazing. And I think kind of an unsung hero, at least I don't think we've talked about him much on this show, is Devin Singletary, the running back. They brought in through free agency from the Bills uh, last summer, and he, he immediately unseated Damian Pierce, the incumbent starter, and he's been incredible. Singletary looks so good running the ball for them and catching it out of the backfield as well. He's been a huge part of their offensive success um, in my bracket, since I had Cleveland winning, I had Baltimore beating the Browns. And I'll still take them to win this game. Uh, but like you said, feisty is a great word to describe the Texans. They can put up a ton of points. We know that. We've seen it. Uh, can their defense come up with another another big game like they had against um, Cleveland a week ago? Can they or at least limit Lamar, as you said? Will be the key. 
Yeah, I got the I got the Ravens over the Texans. It's a great like fairy tale story for the Texans, an organization that everyone nobody even thought twice about at the beginning of the year. That all yeah, kind of like Green Bay, right? Yeah, don't expect them to be here. Put them in the same category. Well, uh, I mean, there theirs is even players we knew on Green Bay when it came to the Texans roster. It was like, who are half these people? Right, you're right. Theirs is even more incredible, improbable of a run, given they, what did they win, like two or three games last year, and, and now they're... In the you know, divisional round? I don't want to say it, but they're two games from the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's already one of the biggest turnarounds in league history. Um, I think we brought it up last week. They're the first team ever in the NFL to win the division in the, with a first-year quarterback and head coach. They've already got that under their belt. Now they've got a playoff win, too. Um, yeah, all that said, I guess we're both taking Baltimore still. <laughs> yeah. And then on the other side, you got Chiefs at Bills. Uh, one of the, before the Bengals kind of came in with Burrow, I, this was the, for a few years, this was the big AFC uh, rivalry kind of. They met deep in the playoffs several years in a row. The Chiefs, I think, were victorious in most of those, but I'm taking them the Bills to flip that script. They look like the much more balanced team uh, in terms of both run and pass effectiveness, but also how well the Bills defense has played lately, too. Um, yeah, I mean, I had Miami at this point, but that doesn't count anymore, so now I have to repick something else. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think I'm going to go with you and take the Bills, just because I want to see the Chiefs get handed again. <laughs> it's not that I hate the Chiefs. It's just the fact of like the way they were in several instances this year with weight penalties didn't go their way and they look like babies throwing fits. Now it's like, I just want to see them get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, that really has hurt um, Mahomes' likability, at least in my opinion. Uh, that and the whole, the way the NFL has covered the whole uh, Taylor Swift, uh, Travis Kelsey. Love story, if you will. Oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> that also just uh, gives me the ick in terms of the Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, I think the Bills will win, and I hope they win. <laughs> so, we don't have to see any of those people uh, for a few months. <laughs> okay, so I think that's it. I don't have anything else in the notes. I don't have much else to add to this one. I feel like we wrapped this up fairly well. Put a bow on it. And uh, as this will be releasing on Friday, uh, tomorrow we're about, uh, let me see if I can do some quick math. This will release about 36 hours before kickoff of the Packers-Niners game on Saturday. Great. <laughs> so, Just enough time to bask in the glory before we cry ourselves to sleep again. Right. Let's enjoy uh, potentially the last few hours of, of our season. <laughs> And on that note, Matt, uh, thank you as always for the time. Great talking to you. Absolutely. It's been a blast. And go Pack Go. Let's go, boys. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans and remember we will see you next week on the gridiron